Well, welcome out again to the Springs. If you're visiting, my name is Peter. I serve as the lead pastor of the Springs. Now, let's bring that last slide up real quick. Uh, raise your hand if you're a husband in here. All right. Now, if you're a husband, don't be the husband whose wife hears from the other wives about how great the marriage adventure was. Don't be that guy. If you're that guy, I guarantee you, you will be paying the Valentine's premium. In fact, you'll probably be paying the fourth quarter comeback Valentine's premium, which is hashtag more than 25 bucks. That might not be, it's too long to trend, but you get what I'm saying. So sign up. We've got a few weeks left, uh, maybe, because we're only taking the first 25 couples registered. So you might want to register you and your wife, and then another couple that's on your VIP prayer list, it's up to you. So get her done. Now, speaking of fourth quarter comebacks, uh, I want to preach a special message uh, called Fourth Quarter Comeback. Now, I've preached this message over the years, every year, and yet my life, like your life, continues to reflect the need for the principles that God's word speaks in this area. And so, whether you've heard it before or it's your first time, enjoy what God does in your life through it, all right? Fourth quarter comebacks. I think we all love the comeback story. How many Cowboys fans are there in here? Man, wouldn't it have been a good story? (laughs) Too soon? (laughs) I felt good. I had to do it. But there's, there's something about the comeback story, whether you speak fluent jock like me or you don't, That is amazing because it says something about the God that we serve and how he leads us in life. And he always brings the victory to his kids. But pretty much always long after our comforts prefer, right? We're prone to giving up in the third quarter and God is a fourth quarter comebacking God. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with me. I'm going to read two verses from the end of 1 Corinthians 15. They conclude uh, the long chapter, amazing chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read it. We stand to honor God's word because it stands above us and our opinions and our circumstances, no matter how difficult they are. In all of this, verse 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Everyone say victory. victory. Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. God's word. Thank you. Y'all can be seated as we pray. Lord, please add a blessing to the reading of your word and help those here that are suffering through very real challenges, maybe the prolonged nature of the challenge makes it extremely difficult, if not impossible on their own, to trust your goodness amidst not good circumstances. And what they need today is something way more than a halftime pep talk from Pastor Coach Peter. 
They need you to hold them, God. They need your help in trusting. And I pray that you would do a miracle today that would multiply the story of your faithfulness on this earth through your word. Amen. Can we bring that verse back up again? We can leave it up most of the time here. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's verse 57. Now, stop right here. This verse is what I call a chest-pumping verse. So this is the verse you say it loud and scream it, and you know you, you chest-bump the other guy with this verse. This is exciting. This is a verse that you might see guys writing the, the verse reference on their eye things, if that's still a thing. I don't think that's still a thing, but back in the day when it was a thing, that's the verse that you would write on there, or you write it on your basketball shoes. And it's a great rah-rah verse, so long as you just rip it right out of context, which those type of verses often are done with. Because what's so strange is that we're talking about victory, yeah, victory, and then the next verse, it's, it's, there's some labor and some work and some, a lot of things that seem and feel incongruent with victory, right? If I were to sum up verse 58 in one word, it would be the word fight. Fight. So wait a minute, I thought, I thought Jesus leads us into victory. What's all this work and fight and labor stuff for? How do these verses get understood cohesively in one thought? Well, thank you for asking. It's because, first of all, verse 58 talks about a greater victory than we, we tend to wait on. That a greater victory than we tend to understand or perceive or wait for. A longer, more powerful, greater victory. Everyone say, greater victory. Greater victory. You helped, helped us sing, now you got to help us preach. Greater victory. And look, greater victories require greater fights. Everyone say, greater fight. Greater fight. Well done. You see, it's important to know that these two verses come, serve to conclude a chapter that is the resurrection manifesto of the Bible where Paul gives the evidence and eyewitness testimony and an importance based on the Bible and the whole theme of the Bible and the whole purpose of humanity, the importance of the resurrection of Jesus, which happened on a historical Sunday morning and functions as the only essence for any of our hope, real hope. There's real hope that's based on the resurrection of Jesus, and then there's false hope. Those are the only two hopes. And, he, and, and that's why in this chapter, Paul says, if Jesus is not resurrected, your faith is worthless. So these verses talk about that kind of victory, resurrection victory that comes from Jesus. But when you think about resurrection, what, what does resurrection have to follow? You can say it out loud. Come with it. Death. Let me tell you, church, God is still resurrecting things. That's right. That's right. God is still a resurrecting fourth quarter comeback God. But the fight of death is still prevalent because that's what's required in a resurrection victory. Some of you are fighting some pretty real struggles right now, aren't you? Maybe fights that you didn't expect to be fighting in your marriage in your finances, 
in your body, in your work, in your career, maybe you didn't expect, you can know that God's not as shocked and surprised as you and I tend to be. And today I submit to you, don't throw a shoe at me, but God has ordained this fight in your life. And it's not to punish you. Listen, it is not to punish you. That's what the coward devil wants you to think. It's not to punish you. It's because there is a greater fight than you expected because, listen, there is a greater victory ahead than you've been prepared for. Nicky Gumbel is a pastor in, in London, and he says, too often we try to use God to change our circumstances when God is trying to use our circumstances to change us. A greater fight leads to a greater victory. And God wants to create greater victors in us. And he will use difficult circumstances and he will allow us to struggle in the third quarter because his resurrection victory comes in the fourth. Today I want to take you on a 15 or 20 minute journey through how this principle of a greater fight and a greater victory than I was prepared for God has brought into my life in various moments in my history. I want to take you on this tour of how God has brought greater fights than I wanted and preferred because he had in mind greater victories than I was ready for. And it starts, I'll just take you back to the start. Well, not to the start. My, my, you know, a few years after my birth. I said last week I grew up in the, the heart of Caucasia, the central Oregon where Uh, my mindset, my view of the world was uh, a lot more limited than I was aware of. And uh, I, I thought that the only people that were serious about their religion and following the rules and all the Jesus stuff were just people who weren't as cool as I was, right? They, they couldn't have as much fun as I could have. And so they had to like have like a religious crutch. Now I kind of went to church here and there, but I wasn't serious about it because I was a fun guy, In my mind, it was the old people and the ugly people that were serious about the rules of the Bible. Because they couldn't get invited to the parties that I was getting invited to. I really thought that way. I probably wouldn't word it like that because I didn't have the guts. I was too much of a coward. And then I was invited to a greater party. I got to high school and one of the guys I used to smoke with invites me to this Bible study in room C13 of my high school, a student-led Bible study held in Mr. Shuknik's math classroom, who's sitting here today. I was invited to this Bible study and I saw students full of life, young, not ugly students, which was important for me for some reason. (laughs) Kind of blew apart my paradigm and my excuses, right? And they were passionate They were going after something because it was better. There was a greater victory and a greater fight than I was not aware of. And I was was serving smaller fights and smaller victories and greater insecurities in my life. And I saw in light of what I was designed to be really myself for who I was for the first time ever. Scary thing about when they started opening the Bible is not that they were reading the Bible, but I saw the Bible start to read me. And that was a little difficult for, what I, for my cute person that I thought I was. And I came to know Jesus, and I was resurrected. The Holy Spirit drew me to himself. 
Jesus made me a new person, and all of a sudden I had newness about me, a new fight, a new victory all up inside of me, a new aspiration, new eyes to see young women, which was crucial for me. I got to know Mr. Shuknik, the math teacher, and his family, and, and one thing I noticed about him that really stuck out to me was his youngest daughter. And so this is the first time where I could ever uh, differentiate between attraction and seduction. See, I had confused the two all growing up. And all of a sudden, I was just attracted to this person that also happened to have a body versus the other way around, right? This beautiful person inside and out. And I wanted to be her boyfriend. There's a problem, though. She wasn't as interested in me as I was in me. And so she rejected me for two years. And I got mad at God for that. It's like, God, I'm putting you first. This should all line up here. And he wanted me to have a greater fight because there was a greater victory in my identity in him that Jesus was leading me into. My identity in him that didn't have to be connected to another person I was in a relationship with. Hello, does that apply to any single people here? All the people raising their hand and all the liars. (laughs) God wanted me to fight because he had a greater victory. But look, about two years later, Mr. Shuknik's daughter had to go to winter formal with somebody. And uh, we have a picture of that moment. Now, you can't make fun of me too much because I've lived more life since then than before then now. And now I know how to, uh, you know, there's certain sizes that suit jackets come in, and I've (laughs) figured that out. Uh, So I went to this winter formal dance, and uh, at some point my cheek touched her shoulder, and I was was smitten. I'm like, all right, this is the one. And no longer was it the same lies, like, How much can I get from her before, you know, that lie, that question wasn't asked. The Holy Spirit was telling me, ask this, how can you honor her and glorify me in this? Like, that is a greater fight than I would have ever fought on my own. That's a victory right there. So I said, all right, God, I'm not going anywhere near the sex thing. I want to get married and I can wait till after high school. (laughs) I'm I'm like, all right, God, when's it going to be? And he said, not today. He said, fight for your purity in me today. Because I have a greater victory than you just getting the girl immediately. And not today lasted another seven years. This is how I know that uh, Jesus is a resurrected God. I understand the eyewitness testimony is important. But experiencing his resurrection power for keeping me through the, in the midst of struggle, keeping us pure for those seven years is only explained by the resurrecting God because I have the same hormonal imbalance as anyone else does. God wanted a greater fight that seven years was indicative of because he had a greater victory for me. And uh, not today turned into this day, almost 11 years ago. I uh, have since uh, rejected gender-neutral haircuts, so don't... <laughs> Don't bug me about that. That was our wedding day. Now, 
right when we got married, we immediately entered into ministry together, and we became campus missionaries at Texas State. And uh, we served at, our, at my alma mater, uh, and my wife did her dietary school at, at Texas State, so now it's your alma mater too, right? I mean, not a, not a Longhorn fan, okay, maybe. She swam at UT, and I've been trying to convert her to Bobcat, but we're still working on that. We went into ministry, and then the campus ministry that slowly morphed into what is now our church here, over the last 10 or 12 years or so of full-time ministry, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, I thought it was going to be a lot easier. I went into this, I'm like, man, I'm going to be so good at this, I'm going to be like the best. <laughs> Apparently God had a greater fight in mind for me, because he's had a greater victory in mind for me, rather than just immediate ministry success, he had a people in mind, a purified people that I'm still fighting for and I'm experiencing the victory of. When I look at you and I see lives that are transformed and friends that hold me to Jesus, uh, it's a greater victory than I was prepared for when I was just trying to get some ministry success out of college. It's a greater fight and a greater victory being steadfast and immovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that my labor in him is not in vain, is because there is a victory he's leading me into. And he's, he, is, he is risen, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's helping me. Now, let me rewind you back to the start of this ministry thing, too, to share another story. I went uh, years ago on a mission trip, July 2007, my wife and I went on a mission trip to Mexico. We felt called by God. We saw miracles in Mexico that year. And we came back with a fresh passion for the nations. And I also came back with salmonella poisoning. And uh, man, that sucker was one of the worst ones I've, I've had for a while. That went, took a few weeks to, to tear me up. And when salmonella left my system, what entered my system was a reactive condition that's secondary to my lupus, uh, which I know now was reactive arthritis. And literally, I was in so much pain that I was crippled. And uh, I lost like 30 or 40 pounds of muscle just from emaciation. And it was difficult to eat. It was difficult to sleep. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. I was humiliated and humbled. And for four to five months, this is kind of how things looked. And that next spring, uh, winter of 2008, I went to the doctor. And I had been slowly starting to walk a little bit better on my own, but that was about it. And I, I figured I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing a lot better. And my doctor ran my numbers. And he said, you know, your C-reactive protein is 18 times. Your inflammation levels in your blood is 18 times what's considered dangerous in a human body. And if you don't fix something, your heart could fail. I mean, he's just saying it all matter of fact, like I'm you know, a, a, some sort of species. But, uh, and he says, oh, by the way, there's two drugs that can work, neither of which would, you, it, would it be safe for you to ever have kids on. Did you guys ever want to have kids? <laughs> we were married for two years, a year and a half. Like, yeah. And we just started crying and left there and just said, you know, we're not going to do any of these things yet. And for months we tried to get pregnant and we weren't able to get pregnant. And I've known people that have suffered infertility for years, but months when you think you're dying was really difficult for us <laughs> and didn't get pregnant. It's like God had a greater fight in mind for me than immediate fertility victory 
wasn't aligning with. But I started to feel better that spring. And I was wondering, like, am I just tricking myself out? But the day that I actually started shoveling dirt, I knew, like, something's different. I had had kids praying for me. I was on this diet. But this, something's clearly different. And I went back into the doctor and I said, run those numbers again. And he runs the numbers and then mechanically he repeats to me, your condition, you might feel better, but it's, uh, your C-reactive protein is 18 times what's considered dangerous. And I said, that is exactly what it was last time. I feel so different though. And he looks at me and looks back down and says, oh, this is last time. He flips the page, goes to the next page. He says, I don't understand this. Can you tell me what happened again? I said, well, we went on this diet thing. And he's like, "Mm, that's not it. I said, well, we've been praying. I had some little kids praying for me too. In Jesus' name. And he says, well, the power of positive thinking has been known in some cases. I said, doc, that's really silly, but we're going to work on that. He and I developed a great relationship, and um, I'm still waiting to see him come to know Jesus. But listen, three days after that meeting with him, we found out we were pregnant with our first. And we had a picture of that, of her just a few months later. Hadassah Rose, our first child. We got blessed with her. And let me tell you, if... We have a a picture of her in the hammock the next spring. It's her and daddy. And then my favorite picture is the next one a few years later. Our little girl. See, I was wanting just immediate relief from agony. And Jesus had a greater fight and a greater victory that only he could receive credit for. And if it weren't for the pain and the fight, that was much more than I was ready for. I would be prone to thinking that having children's is more or less just a biological function rather than a victory from a resurrecting God. And I wouldn't want to erase any moment of agony or pain And God knows that I needed it. And God knows I needed more of it after that. For years, we, after Hadassah, we struggled again with getting pregnant. And we've always wanted to have a big family. And we went to the doctor and our, my fertility doctor says, you're infertile. I have no idea how you were able to conceive this first child. But I can tell you right now, it's an official diagnosis. You're infertile. And uh, he kind of gave me one of those, well, you should be happy that you even have one. So that, that'll make you feel better. And it didn't, right? Uh, we went away from there and we decided to, we've always wanted to adopt, but with the circumstances, the adoption thing got pressed to the forefront of our minds. And especially knowing now it's been, this year is 44 years since the Roe v. Wade decision. And as much as we are pro-life, We're not just anti-death. We're pro-life. We want to see the heroes of the pro-life movement, these scared pregnant young mothers who decide to carry to term and and either place for adoption or whatever. We wanted to be a part of life. And and we wanted another child. And we we entered through the adoption uh, phase and the night came where we got called to the hospital and we were about to meet our, our daughter and the next morning we got a call that uh, the, the birth mother had kind of been manipulated into changing her mind. And uh, 
there might have been some racism involved and some really just painful stuff that really for us, it was about 10 or 11 months of just darkness and pain. Didn't, didn't understand. God, wh- wh- why are we having to fight through all the, this again? And apparently it's because there was a greater victory that we saw at the moment. That next spring, uh, we were still struggling to forgive some of the people involved in the failed adoption placement. And uh, there was a moment, an altar call moment, where uh, it was a message about forgiveness. And people needed to come to the front uh, and, and, and confess to God, is there someone you need to forgive? And my wife and I, April 29th, 2012, we, we both came to the front and we both knew it was the same thing. We were driving home that night and we just felt so free. God was wanting us to fight a greater fight for forgiveness, even though we didn't have the immediate victory of a child. I kid you not, the very next morning, we got a call from our adoption agency. There's a baby in the hospital, and uh, he's suffering, and uh, three or four other families didn't feel like they were able to care for a child in in this condition. And uh, we got called to the hospital, and we knew it was from the Lord. This is our child. This is our Asa Peter, our little man of indignation, our little fighter, our little healer. And we got called to the hospital, and we see this. This next picture is with Hadassah, finally is a big sister. And you can keep that up. I, I remember seeing him struggle for, uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks. We, we didn't know if he would be able to eat, uh, but we knew that th- the pain and the fight that he'd have to go through, and even seeing him in pain after his surgery, uh, because of his lungs weren't super developed, they couldn't sedate him or give him any pain medicine. So for eight or nine hours straight, he just squeezed my finger after the surgery as he was coming out of it. And I remember praying, God, why would you allow such a beautiful little baby boy to suffer so badly? And I remember hearing the Lord tell me, you know, to you, he's a beautiful little boy. But to me, he's also a man who I'm going to use to bring healing in the nations. And for him, there's a greater fight because there's a greater victory ahead. That next spring, we, we, we saw him develop, uh, eat, eats just fine. Uh, by the next spring, which was the first year, is, is usually the problematic year with his condition, gastroschisis. We have pictures of him eating just fine. That's a little Asa Peter. Uh, a few of these pictures of him eating, which seeing your child eat is an immense joy. We, uh, after we brought him home, there was more fighting. My wife was extremely sick, extremely tired. We were calling out to God, what's going on here? We had just got uh, a, a, a Right before ASA, I had done a, a small procedure to see if it could increase my fertility numbers, and we got the results back. My fertility numbers had not increased at all. We were officially, officially infertile, and now we have this little baby at home, and my wife's sick, and we didn't understand what's going on. God had a greater fight in store for her because there was a greater victory that we were unaware of, and her sickness really got really strong, especially in the mornings. Because even though the doctor said we were infertile, Jesus had a different opinion, and her name is Alma. Alma was, was born less than a year after Asa's birthday, three days before his first birthday. And we call them our little twins. They, and there's another picture of them when they're still both babies together, sucking on their uh, bon, uh, pacifiers. Um, 
Even after that, we, we still were under the illusion that we were infertile. And Jesus wanted to double down on his disagreement with that. And we had another baby the next year. And there's my baby Alma holding another baby Bethlehem. And now this, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing more, right? We're good? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Can I be honest with you? I preached this for a few years. And I honestly believe that this principle of a greater fight and a greater victory was something that was like a story from my past and not a principle for my present and my future. And now I'm, God, I'm pretty aware, right? I hope so. That this story, this principle, this, this word from God, that there's a greater fight that you don't have to understand, you can know the one who knows. And the one who knows that this fight is not in, in vain. Your labor in him is not in vain. It's not futile. Not only will he heal your pain, but he'll do something better. He will use your pain so every ounce of it is unwasted for his glory if you would trust him. So how are you doing with that? Are you letting Jesus lead you into victory as verse 57 says? Even if it involves an unexpected verse 58 type of fight? Requiring you to be steadfast and immovable which can only happen with the Holy Spirit? Are you letting him? I want you to remember that there was, there was a man who once called out to God and prayed and asked for a fourth quarter comeback, in essence, and he didn't get it. All he heard was silence when he said, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way, let it happen. But not my will, but yours be done. He surrendered himself to a victory that would come with a fight, the fight of all fights. Jesus chose to fight and bleed and suffer and die because, listen, ultimately your fight and mine will never be enough. Your fight to trust him, your fight to obey him ends in failure on your own, just like mine. And what we need is a substitute fighter. We need a substitute, someone to live the life and fight the fight that we should have fought and lived. And someone that has died the death that we were meant to die and should have died, but as our substitute, because he was led into the greatest overtime victory in the history of the world. He was resurrected from the dead And now he can lead us, the risen Christ can lead us into victory if we would take up our cross, follow him, and see that victory. We we need that cross to even have the trust. So what about you? What are you facing? Listen, God won't let you and your life fail to reflect the fight that he has fought for you. God won't let your life fail to reflect the fight that he fought for you. That's why Paul says, we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be made manifest in our mortal flesh. There is a greater fight and there is a greater victory. In fact, fact, probably the fight right now is to trust that. 
to surrender, to lay down your understanding. Lean not on, on your understanding, but, it, but submit to him in all your ways and trust him. Would you stand with me, please? I'm going to ask a Joshua to come up and a, and a prayer team to come up. We want to pray for you. Now, if you've never surrendered to Jesus, you've never said, Jesus, you need to be my substitute. I need you. My fight is not enough. Make me new. Make me a new person. If if you've never done that, you can do it in faith right now. It's this scandalously simple. If you would believe upon the Lord Jesus, you will be saved is what the Bible says. So even right now, as we're standing here and you're looking at me and I'm looking at you, you can make that declaration of faith in your heart and be a new person, a born-again Christian. Now I'm going to tell you, you you should bring that to other people and walk that out with others. But I want to give an opportunity for others in here. Maybe you already know the Lord Jesus, but you're going through a fight right now that's just too much for you. But listen, it's not too much for God. He has a greater victory in mind for you. And so we're going to take a few minutes of ministry right now. And I'm going to ask you to be so brave. If you're someone that needs prayer in the midst of your fight to trust God, if you want someone up here to agree with you and pray with you, we're going to take a few minutes. I'm going to ask you to be so brave right now as to come forward. Come up right now if that's you. You need help. You need someone to help pray with you in the midst of the fight. Anyone else? If you're not walking up here, can you lift up your hands and and start praying for the people up front? Maybe you need to intercede for someone else that's not even in here, that you know they're fighting. Can you just pray? Can you agree with us now as we minister together? Oh, Jesus. Anyone else?